0: You're listening to The Greatest Multifamily Investment Advice Show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to The Greatest Multifamily Advice Show. Today, we have Bridger Bington, an exceptional guest, successful hedge fund manager, keynote speaker, sharing uh, sharing Wall Street secrets, Focus on raising capital. Help me to welcome our guest. How are you Richard?
1: Adam good to hop on man I'm excited to be here.
0: thanks a lot thanks really for uh, thanks yeah. for being us with, with us today and I appreciate you taking the time
1: we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun today man we're gonna talk all things funds finance private equity venture capital real estate funds how to build them how to structure them how to scale them it's gonna That's, be good. we can talk about other stuff too if you want but it's gonna be a fun time hundred percent
0: so I would like to start with the beginning of basically your Wall Street approach, which is uh, raising a fund when you're just 22 years old. So what was the beginning for you?
1: Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll kind of walk you my story a little bit. So I, um, you know, today I run all these funds we've done. Yeah, we've, we just actually just threw a 1200 person event called Fund Launch Live in Vegas. Yeah. We've got 16,000 students in our programs for investment fund secrets. This is my third fund we just launched. We just launched a crypto fund, a hedge fund. I ran two debt funds prior to this. Hmm. um, partnering on another real estate, a huge syndication, a million dollar syndication right now. So anyways, we've done a lot of fun stuff, but yeah, back in the day, I just grew up a regular kid. I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I was super ambitious, gotten to college. Like a lot of people listening. I started six companies, my first two years of college, Uh, I had my, my hair on fire and those weren't just business ideas. Those were actual like business things up and running, making money. So we did, I wholesale two houses. Uh, we built Hmm. websites for people. We did Uh, I had a Chinese tutoring company. I speak Mandarin Chinese. I served an LDS mission for the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints in Taiwan for two years. So I speak Mandarin Chinese anyways, all these crazy things. And finally, um, my, uh, my dad kind of grabs me by the ears and he says, bridge, you're kind of like a chicken with your head cut off. He goes, I want you to go meet with one of my business partners. This guy can really help you out. So I said, okay, I'll I'll go meet with whoever. So I'm like, I'm like 21 at the time. I think Mm. I drive to this guy's house and I pull up through this beautiful gated community. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like, you know, and I drive through huge mansions. I pull up to the top of this beautiful, gorgeous hill. And there's this huge, massive white home at the top. Mm. And I was like, wow, like this is the guy's place. Like, this is pretty cool. And uh, just granted, I I grew up and I would call it a very regular house. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur up and, you know, up and downs. I, we didn't have anything, nothing fancy or special, but yeah, we had food in the table. It was awesome. I had a great childhood nothing wrong with that, but nothing like this that I was seeing. I was like, wow, these guys live in huge houses this is crazy. So I get out of my car. I walk into this guy's house. I knock on his big door and I'm all nervous. I'm like nervous, like a Butler is going to come and, you know, be gone peasant, like kick me out of there. Right. Look now. So I'm all nervous. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully, My dad's business partner comes to the door. He says, Bridger, come on in. He brings me into this house and it's gorgeous, right? They've got the huge grand piano, the wine cellar. He's got a full basketball court in his basement, a pool, the cars. I mean, the whole thing, right? And so I come in, we sit down and we start to chat. We start to chat about life and school and business. and, And finally I ask him, how did you get all of this? How did you get the, like all this money? Like, how'd you do this? The NV and he goes, funny enough, he goes, Bridger, not very many people asked me that question. Yeah. And I was like, oh shoot. I was like, that's the first question I had was that question. Right. Yeah. And he goes, no, I'll tell you. And he goes, um, he goes, I was a lot like you in my twenties. I started a couple, couple companies. I actually did very well. I, we had companies that were doing multiple seven figures a year. Hmm. And he goes, then I, then I've met someone that changed my life. He goes, I met a guy that was running a private equity fund. He's one of the wealthiest people I'd ever met on planet earth. earth. And as a younger guy. I was totally just struck by how successful this guy was. And he says, at that point in my life, I said, I don't care if it takes me one year, five years or 20 years. Yeah. Because I was going to figure out what a fund was, how funds worked and how I could start and build my own. Yeah. And he goes, that's exactly what we did. And probably in a minute, we'll go into deeper into what funds are and how they look and how real estate funds look and all that kind of stuff. He goes right now. He goes, that's what we did. And he goes, me and your dad, we actually manage a uh, real estate fund. We manage $8 billion right now. Uh, a billion with a B. Multi. Prime, primarily multifamily. Gran was is
0: like, $5 billion, I think. Uh,
1: I think so. Somewhere around there. Four and a half, five. So yeah. they're at, this is years ago, right? They're at $8 billion. Today, they're over, I think they're, uh, I, I want to say over $30 billion now in Whoa. that real estate game. Huge. Oh. They're one of the top. Anyways, they're crazy. And uh, I was like, wow, this is unreal. And he goes, yeah, that's what we did. And we run this whole thing. And so I was star, tr- star struck. I said, I want to learn about this. I I've heard from podcasts and shows like this, right? Find a mentor. Everyone says, yeah. find a mentor. So I look at this guy and I go, Hey, do you want to be my mentor? And he goes, Bridger, he goes, go talk to your dad. He goes, your dad knows way more about this than I do. And I said, no, no, no my dad's kind of poor. He drives a crappy car. I go, you're rich. Like you, you, you know, you're obviously doing very well. I want to learn yeah. from you. Yeah. And he goes, Bridger, uh, Sorry to break it to you, but me and your dad make about the same amount of money. Okay. My chin, my chin dropped to the floor. I was like, huh? Come again. Right. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, he's like me and your dad are pretty much the same business partners on this deal. And so I, dude, I left this dude's house. I drove straight to my dad's house. And I what's was like, happening? dad, what the heck? <laughs> what's like, What's going on, dude? <laughs> like what, like, why haven't I been able to like order dessert at a restaurant for the past decade? Because it's too expensive, you know, or order a soda, right? Uh, why are we skipping so much? Anyways, my dad kind of laughed and he said, Bridger, he goes, I like to, I like to save and invest my money. My partner likes to spend his money a little bit more, but mm. yeah, he goes, yeah, we run these, these massive real estate funds. Long story short, mm. I started to meet with my dad every Sunday. We, I would go to his house. We'd sit on the whiteboard. We map stuff out. We do the whole thing. And, um, I was in college at the time I was uh, actually working at an internship, working, making money and at school. Um, and I had this idea at the job I was at where we could start a fund, a debt fund and issue loans to the clients that were coming through the company. They needed Hmm. capital. Hmm. I took this idea to the owners of the company. They thought it was really cool. I took it to my dad. He thought it was cool. And we started to build and put the foundations of this small fund together. Hmm. My dad helped me think through it. We kind of put it together pieces, all that kind of stuff. I got it all set up. I was excited to get started. Hmm. And, um, I, uh, I overlooked this, but I'm like, crap, I've got to raise some money now. Like who's okay. going to invest in a 22 year old kid with no experience. Yeah, sorry. And, uh, you know, how am I gonna do this? Right. So I had this great idea. I said, I'm going to go pitch my dad for money. Right. Like, obvious. Like that's a great idea. So yeah. I set this goal. I'm like, I'm gonna go pitch my dad for money. I said this whole day. I mean, so I went over to his house it was a late Sunday night, knocked in his little home office, walked inside, and I, and I looked across the table at him, square in the eyes, I said, dad, how would you like, like to be my first investor into my fund? And uh, I put my hand out and everything, the whole pitch. I gave him the whole pitch and everything. And yeah. my dad kind of laughed and he said, Bridger, I have the money to invest, but if I invest in your fund, it would ruin the experience of you raising money on your own. Hmm. he goes, your first investor is your hardest investor to find. If I invest in your fund, it'll be a crutch that you'll never be able to recover from. And he said, no. And it was a, it was a big tough love moment between me and my dad. And, uh, let me ask you about
0: this. Why it's uh, not a good thing that he can help you for track of record. So you can use it for the next one, only for the first one. It so will, it's, his, it will hurt you. It will hurt you on,
1: on. Yeah. So his opinion was if, if he gave me money, your, he goes, your first investor is the hardest. He goes, that'll be something. Cause people ask like, who's your first investor? How many investors do you have? Yeah. yeah. And if you say, well, my dad invested for this amount, right. He's like that, that just doesn't bode well oh. for your reputation and also yeah. for your confidence. He goes, I think that was more of it. He's like, I want mm-hmm. you to develop the confidence inside yourself mm-hmm. that you didn't just ride your dad's coattails or got yeah. money from your dad to yeah. start your fund. You did this on your own. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that was more of it. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah. yeah, hundred percent. Keep so, going. I'm sorry anyways, to, uh, to interrupt you. No, you're good. Yeah. That's so, I and I, I appreciate he did that for me. I was, I think it was a, a great thing and a great lesson he taught me. And uh, still to this day, uh, my dad's never invested in any of my funds uh, syndication. anything. <laughs> um, we've done a few, started to do a few, like smaller things where I present things to him or whatever, but really I'm, I'm still working up to that, which is kind of cool. But anyways, I left his office. I hit the streets. We raised a whopping, I raised a whopping $49,500, uh, when I was 22 years old, which to me was like, huge amount of money. Yeah. Pretty, pretty small amount, right. For most people listening. But to me, it was amazing. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. And it was enough to get started. We were launching these really small loans. They were like a thousand to 5,000 a alone. So we Mm. could do these loans. They were lasting about three to seven weeks per loan. So very short term. So I could turn my capital very quickly. Our first group of investors, we got them a sixty. 4% 4% return on their money, which was awesome. We were so excited. Uh, we then we then launched a, we kind of restructured it, launched a second fund. That fund we raised and deployed millions of dollars out of that fund. We did really well, ran that for about three and a half years. I sold that about a year ago. We had a competitor come in and buy out our fund. So I had an exit on the fund, which was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh just barely, I just we just launched a new crypto hedge fund. So uh called the Ugly Unicorn Funds. Um, we just literally uh what is it? The Las Vegas one just, you mean. What about um, the Las Vegas ones as uh, a fund was uh, the actual event. That was a, just an in-person event in Las Vegas. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is actual fund. This is a hedge fund. We just launched. We just closed our first round of capital yesterday. We raised a ton of money. It was awesome. We did really well. And uh, it's an open-ended fund. So we're still taking investors in, which is really cool. Um, so during that whole period, the last four, uh, almost five years um, mm. we started to realize online, there's not a lot of people talking about investment funds. Like no one teaches this. And my dad, just to give you his background, he grew up in ghetto North Las Vegas, didn't go to Ivy League schools, didn't go to Wall Street, was just an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, my brother, as well, is a, is a securities attorney at the top law firm in the world for investment funds. Yeah, okay. So, us three, we came together and said, let's start making content, make stuff online for people to learn about funds. So, we started a company called Investment Fund Secrets. Well, I started a company called Invest Fund Secrets. They just, I kind of invite them to join. Mm. Um, But we make content about funds, how funds work, how they're built, how they're put together. So we, I mentioned at the beginning, we have 16,000 people in our programs. We have one student fund over, I think, two and a half billion now. Two student funds around 100 million. We have a handful, you talked about multifamily, a handful of multi-family real estate funds, 30, 40, 50, 60, $70 million. Um, really cool people that are doing all sorts of stuff all over the country. We've got, anyways, we've got tons of people. It's, it's really cool. It's a really fun network to be a part of. Um, and we now have coaching groups and like mentorships and mastermind groups that we just yep. help regular people like me and you go out and, you know, take down wall street and, uh, and do all this. So there's kind of the run through of, of what we've done and what we've built so far. It's, been pretty it's cool. a
0: great run on five years. So We started doing it when you're 22 now you're 27. You, you you already started three funds successfully. Uh, it's a great run so far, to be honest. Uh, I think my, fun, next, yeah. my
1: next- 27 in two weeks. I'm not 27 quite yet. So <laughs> almost there. <laughs>
0: yeah. So my next question will be is always a comparison between the syndication and fund. What was more appealing for you, uh, especially on the multifamily side? Because our audience is about more about multifamily. So why fund? Always the people ask, why fund, not syndication.
1: Yeah. So let's walk through it. So syndication, just for people that you guys probably already know, but typically let's say you find uh, you know, four units and you're gonna syndicate this money. Let's say it's I don't know, a mil- $1.2 million, right? Yeah. Um, and you're gonna syndicate this money together. You show up, you get you go to the, you know, the bank, you get hard money lenders, your own money or investors, you pull that money together into an LLC. The yeah. money comes in, you close on the deal, and then you do that deal and you'd go into another one. Um, There's a guy in our group that he, uh, he was a house flipper. He did about four deals a year syndications. So he'd do about four house flips a year. He'd make a couple hundred grand a year on these flips. He did, you know, did okay. We set him up a fund. The next year he flipped 72 houses out of that fund. Okay. Well, scalability is massive now, especially in multifamily. So let's take that same scenario of a syndication. Typically, right. You guys have had this before you find a great deal and you're like, okay, give me 30 days to close and you're calling up people and you're getting money wired in. You're, you're negotiating contracts on hard money loans, right? Or whatever yeah. the, the financing is. It's always the last minute the money comes in, right? And you're calling people at the ninth you're, hour, to You're hour, always whatever. in the
0: stress for two, two months, not even 30 yep. days.
1: You're, yeah, yeah it, it takes a lot of work out of you, right? Yeah. Imagine if you just had a pot of money to just pull from and you could just close tomorrow, Yeah, right? Would you win more deals or less deals doing that? More right? Probably deal, more, right? More deals than so, flexibility. Yep. Exactly. And you get more flexibility. A lot of times you get better terms. So I'm kind of alluding to a lot of things. I'm going to, I'm going to go through the pros and cons here. So with a fund, you set up that structure once. Okay. You set up your docs, your legal, you raise the capital once. Once it's raised, you can call that capital whenever you'd like and close and transact on deals. Uh, Secondly, okay. You can do bigger and better deals. Right now, a, a $1.2 million deal, there's probably, maybe we even go smaller. Let's talk about, you know, I, I bid on a duplex. It was $410,000. Mm-hmm. They had a two hour open house. They had 32 offers in two hours at cash or above cash. Or, or sorry, at, at asking with asking cash or over, above. Over, yeah, over. Yeah. 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 Uh, crazy, right? Yeah. When you start bidding on $45 million apartment complexes, though, the bidder count goes way down, right? There's only maybe one or two bidders. Yeah. Hence, you can get more leverage and a deal. I, I talked to a fund manager. He managed about $2 billion in a real estate fund. Mm-hmm. He said they would often win deals and they weren't even the highest asking price because they had a fund. So he goes, for example, let's just say we're bidding on a $100 million apartment complex. Okay. And that's the price. Our competitor came in at $100 million, but yeah. they're a syndicator. They're syndicating capital. It's going to take them 60 days to close. Yeah. We come in, we offer ninety-six million, and we can close in two and a half weeks. Right? Yeah. He goes. The money. Available. we'll win that deal, yeah. and we build a reputation of doing deals, and we it's just scalability. So I'm hitting on a lot of things that You guys can kind of allude to this, but th- that's the reason most successful people in multifamily or just investing in general end up in a fund. It allows you to scale do bigger deals, bigger, build a better reputation, get better financing from banks. You get way better rates Hmm. and your investors are now diversified across a number of properties, not just one property they're hoping does well. They're now into 17, 20 properties. Additionally, you have way better protections and legal. So if you get sued by one of your investors in a fund, it's way better than in a syndication. So I'll pause Hmm. there. You can fast follow-ups or we'll keep going. So I think the the main question is
0: always is the struggle to start the fund, a track of record, mm-hmm. and also on the future is scaling the fund. So the first point always is how we can start. I've been syndicator for a long time. I've been always raising money from family and friends. I want to go to the next level. I don't have track record of having a fund.
1: How we can resolve this? Yeah, so let's use that example of, let's say you're already syndicating, you're already doing deals or you have a partner that's been doing deals, okay? Yeah. So you know how to raise some capital, right? Um, yeah. That transition from syndications to funds, some some investors will say, I don't, I want to do syndications. I, I don't like the fund model, okay? They'll gawk at you a little bit, okay? You might get a little pushback. We've seen this with a lot of our people. In my opinion, number one for you, you you got to tell investors first. So let's talk about investors first. If they're, they hey, I like syndication, I want to stay there. Number one, and I, you can you can share this out. So my dad actually, on one of their first, lo- they were doing hard money loans. They had a $7 million package they were putting together, syndicating. Mm. The last day, one of their investors didn't wire in. Yeah. They missed it by like $200,000. Mm. Their money went hard. They lost a ton of money and the investors lost that whole deal. So you tell investors, number one, it's riskier for you to be in a syndication. Mm. Secondly, if one of the other investors sues in a syndication, you have way more liability in the deal as a syndicator in mm-hmm. a fund you're a limited partner. So you have truly limited liability from lawsuits and other things there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So third, you're diversified across a portfolio of properties. Oh, uh, okay. fourth, yeah. we can get better interest rates. So our debt service goes way down. Um, instead of borrowing at three, four 5%, we're borrowing at one or two or maybe two and a half percent. Right. With a fund. So when you talk to an investor like that, you go, guys, you know, I we've syndicated for a while. Thank you so much. We are moving to the fund model now. You can come with yeah. us if you like. If you still want to use my, you know, you've liked working with me. We're doing a fund. Yeah. And you maybe you you might lose an investor or two, but you're gonna, I think, gain a lot more investors through the the process the of process. Fund. Yeah. Uh huh. Through there. No, I hear you. Yeah.
0: I hear you. Sorry, sorry. to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. The scalability of the, the
1: fund. How you scale mm-hmm. your fund? How, how do you scale it? Yeah. So let's talk multifamily. Cause that's, I think the main focus here, Yeah. typically <clears throat> let's say you started with syndication. So deal by deal, you then do a fund your, let's call it fund one. So we set up a fund. It's fund one. We're going to buy multifamily and here we're going to raise $20 million. Yeah. So we raise 20 million. We can probably lever up to 30 or 40 million, 50 million, depending on how much you know leverage we want to put in this fund. So now let's say we have a $50 million portfolio now, okay, in those deals. Now, those deals might take three or four years to you know work out. Now, that track record of how those deals perform will be the major catalyst for you mm. on getting to a billion or 5 billion or whatever you want to get to, um, that first fund is crucial to have some big winners in there because what happens, and I, as I was talking to another fund manager. He manages about, I think three, two and a half, 3 a half, three billion. He was saying, um, he goes, typically investors will give you whatever their trial investment is with you. If you do well, they will five to 10 X their second and third investments back into your future fund. So fund one, we launch. it's $20 million raise. If we do well, we'll ra- launch fund two usually about 18 months after, wow, fund one is still operating. You'll launch fund two. Um, you raise capital for that. That one, you could raise, you know, 30, 40, $50 million. Mm-hmm. Typically by fund three, that's when you start scaling. That's where you, you know, you go raise 400 million or 800 million and, and you really go to the, the, the scalability where, again, citing performance back from fund two and fund one. Um, you know, you'll move from uh, investors that are just friends and family to more high net worth individuals. And then by fund, you know, as you move up, you'll start moving to big family offices. Then you'll move into institutions. Yep. So you'll get big pension plans, huge insurance. They're, you know, they're writing $200 million checks per investment, right? That's the size of investor you scale up to. Now you have to do though, the to get a check like that and to get into that big boy game, you've got to start with the smaller ones, right? And you, but syndications, you just keep hitting your head against the wall, right? I have a, I have a buddy, he's done syndications for, 15 years. He's made good money. He's like, Bridger, I just, I I thought I would be getting bigger money or bigger deal. I just, I'm still, you know, average deal size is $800,000, right? Um, A fund allows you to scale through all those things. I
0: think for the listeners, uh, you break, you break down basically all type of investors, which is uh, qualified investors, accredited investor. And then you said, family institutions and uh, family funds and then uh, institutions, with, which is the, the, the highest, as you said, uh, checks. You can go and ask for 200 million. When you're with, uh, with uh, yeah. a credit investor, you're talking about 200. Uh, the qualification is different, of course. But right now, where you are on your fund, fund process, in a second phase, third phase, or the fourth phase, you're looking for money on... On the institutional or is a family or accredited investors?
1: Yeah. For me, I'm uh, we're family office. Yeah, that's we're our yeah. our next six months, we're gonna start trying to move into institutions. Yeah, okay. Um, to be that's a big jump. Family office, you know, isn't that big of a jump. Large family offices, you start getting bigger and bigger of the and what am I what do I mean by jump? Uh, for example, okay. So if you go after, I won't say the name, but um, you know, a big huge bank. I've seen these, they send you due diligence checklists. They're 40 or 50 pages long, full of questions Hmm. down the whole page. Hey, do you have a cybersecurity policy? What is the name of that policy? Who is it listed with? Okay, great. Are all of your officers, um, Series 65 holders, you know, they go to the next one are all, and they, they go down. Are you guys filed with some random organization out of, you know, New York that you've never heard of, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, crap. Like, you know, there's a whole tier between that family office and going to, let's call it large family offices or institutional grade. Yeah. There's a big jump of compliance, of just having all your ducks in a row hmm. at a, a huge level it costs a lot of money to become institutional ready. A lot of times I'll, I'll, see funds even bring on a partner or two that are, uh, you know, a Dartmouth or Cornell grads that worked on Wall Street that have the background that just to, just to make your team hmm. look, wow, we're legit, right? We're a big Wall Street fund that has all the compliance, all the due diligence, the lawyer, you got to pay you know, instead of paying $20,000 for a lawyer, now you're paying $100,000 for lawyers, right? Yeah. Uh, instead of paying $20,000 $20, for an audit on your fund, you're paying, you know, from one of the big four firms, you're paying $120,000 for an audit because hmm. they want to see a big four name on the yeah. audit. They won't yeah. invest unless they see a big four name. So you're just, yeah, anyways, that's the, that's the tier. That institutional tier is, a, I would say, a big gap between yeah. family office to large family office institutions
0: hundred percent. I think my next question, we, we discussed this before the air is if we can highlight the differences between hedge fund, venture capital, um, private equity funds and fund to fund, because this is basically also a fun term, fund to fund. Not yep. many people know about it.
1: Yeah. Let's dive into it. So funds in general, so I know we've been just throwing this, this term out there. It's actually, I didn't know this until I started working with all these different types of funds. I work with people that run venture capital, private equity, hedge funds. And I, and I was like, what's the difference? Like, why are they called different things? So all a fund is in the most basic sense, a fund is a pool of capital, money comes into that pool and you can call it a general partner, limited partnership. It could be an LLC, you know, you can do different structures, but all it is, is just a pool of money. Money comes to that pool. Us as fund managers draw from that pool and go make investments. When those investments make money, it flows back to the pool and we split them between investors and ourselves. It's not, not complex, pretty simple. So the difference between all those fund types that I just brought up, almost all of them, we'll explain a little nuances, is what they invest into. It's Mm -hmm. the only difference. So real estate funds, it's in the name, right? They have a pool of capital and they invest into real estate. Okay, that's it, right? Uh, Private equity has a pool of capital. They buy private equity or private ownership of companies. So uh, a great one is Sycamore Partners. They own Aeropostale. They own nine West shoes. They own, they just bought Kohl's. They're trying, they, last year they tried to buy Victoria's Secret. Okay. That's a private equity firm. Yep. They'll buy privately held companies. Venture capital. Same thing. It's a pool of capital. They invest into early stage startups, hedge funds. They invest into public securities. Yep. They invest into stocks, bonds, options, futures, Forex. Okay. Same pool of capital. It's the exact same thing. Debt yep. funds. They issue debt. They issue mortgages. They issue other things. So all these funds, they almost, I'm, I'm not kidding. They operate almost exactly the same on the back end. Yeah, there's purpose. nuances, but it's, its you know, it's, it's pretty similar, which is kind of cool. The one you brought up, I'll, I'll talk about is fund of funds. Yeah. A little bit different, um, still a pool of capital, but your pool of capital invests into other funds. So mm. in the name, fund of funds. So we raise capital, we go deploy in funds. Now, the reason for a, the need of a fund of funds, like why, why don't I just go directly? Some funds, um, for instance, Uh, Ray Dalio. Everyone knows him from online and stuff. Ray Dalio's big fund manager, runs Bridgewater Associates. Largest, I I believe, largest private equity, and they have their hedge fund division in the world. They manage over $400 billion. To invest with them, you have to have a $5 billion net worth. Minimum check size is $100 million to get in their funds. Okay. Yeah. Um, Actually, and for them, just side note, they haven't raised capital since 2005. (laughs) which is <laughs> crazy, which yeah. is another re- there's another nuance because that they, they have different things for that, but a fund of funds allows you to get into funds like that. Hey, yeah. minimum check size, is hundred million dollars. I don't have a hundred million. Let's pool our capital together and we can together write a check for hundred million dollars um, and get in these better deals. So additionally, you can negotiate with funds too. So for instance, for our fund, if you write a check to my fund, that's over $10 million, we drop our management fees for you. Oh, okay. You don't pay as much. So if you come in a big group, you can have negotiating power with other fund managers. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's a power of negotiation. And yep. also, okay, yeah, makes sense. I think that my next question will be about the upside uh, for passive investors when they're looking for a successful fund and looking for the performance. So uh, a lot of uh, fund managers on the on the market What is usually the, the passive professional passive investor have to look to have to look on the market with a successful fund manager? What is the criteria for passive? Yeah, it's a good
1: question. And that's, that's, you know, that is the million dollar question, right? Like how do you vet really good managers? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously like what's your track record, what's your performance like, what does your team look like? Is this a team that I believe can accomplish what they're saying? Right. Um, are they, I think a huge question you should ask is how are you mitigating the risk of fraud? That's the oh, big, I mean, yeah. the, like if you can just not have your money stolen from you, <laughs> you're doing okay as an investor. You know what I mean? That's a huge yeah. one that a lot of people overlook. Um, so for example, I want to see when I invest in a fund, I want to see a third party admin managing that fund. What is a, a third party admin is a separate group that comes in, they look into every bank account, every transaction, they make sure that it's all done correctly. I also wanna see a third-party audit. I wanna see the fund being audited every year. So Bernie Madoff, for example, he stole 60 billion from investors, right? Ponzi scheme, Um, he ran that for 30 years. No, he never did an audit, never had third-party admins. He he would tell investors, hey, if you wanna audit, go somewhere else. We give 1% a month, it's 12% a year. And he was president of the NASDAQ. They, he was giving money to charities. He was the best guy on planet earth, right? Yeah. Until they found out it was a Ponzi scheme, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Before Bernie Madoff, only 10% of funds had a third-party admin. Hmm. After Bernie Madoff, I think it's over 80 or 90% of funds have third-party admins, but still some funds do not have that. Um, okay. The next, the next piece I would see, just to, for to more specific, I want to see alignment of fee structures. Okay. I don't, they, I don't want a manager making money unless I make money as the investor yep. as much as possible. Now I know some funds charge a, a management fee usually 2% that I'll, I'll let that slide just because, you know, okay. So you make 2% regardless of the portfolio going up and down. I get that. But besides the 2% management fee, you, as the, as the manager only make money when I make money as the investor, I've seen some groups I've been pitched by seven or eight groups this year crazy. I don't, I can't believe they're doing this. I think it's wild. They take 20% of your, they don't, they just say, oh yeah, we take a 20% of, of carry. They kind of just, and investors don't dig into it. They're taking 20% of your principal day one management fee. So wow. it's, they, they, they kind of pitch like, oh yeah, it's a two, a 2% management fee, 20%, you know, we take, and you're like, what do you mean you take? So if I invest a hundred dollars you take $20 off the top. I really only invested $80 in an investment. (laughs) I know I have really close friends that have invested into a lot of these types of deals. Mm. And now some of them do make a little bit of sense because they have other protocols and stuff, but that just scare. It just, it's just like, that does not make sense to me. We had one investor, we were in a pitch room and we, so our most funds and our fund is a two and 20 on performance. So it's, 20% 20% of performance. Yeah. So if you invest a hundred dollars and it's a hundred dollars is in, and we make, um, we, uh, double your money in a year case okay? so goes from a hundred dollars to $200. We would take $20. You would keep 80, right? So you'd ha- now have $180. We would take $20 for a performance fee. Right. That makes sense. We told this to an investor that, because he invested in a deal that they took 20% off the top. His so whole his whole face went white. <laughs> he was like, what? He's like, that's what they did. I'm like, yeah. Did you read the documents? He's like, no, I just trusted them. I just signed. Oh shoot. He goes, oh man, I got to make a phone call, right? I mean, he was, he was a, he was sick about the investment he had made a few months earlier. So, those are things that I look for. I mean, you can go really deep and um, different strategies and stuff, but those are a few things to look out for.
0: Hundred percent. I think one of the big things for you guys, and especially on your fund and and your approach, is the marketing, uh, the podcast, the events. Uh, the, launch, the launch events, uh, the social media stuff. What was the, the reasoning behind all of this approach? It was, You said that you're, you came coming from a, a pool of three different experiences, security law, fund manager, and you. But what was, what was behind the whole strategy of the marketing for you? And how, how was this helpful for you?
1: Yeah, so I have two companies. I'll separate them right here investment fund secrets. That's the coaching consulting and mastermind, all that kind of stuff. The events we do is all there. Yeah. And then I have my funds that I've around the side. So my funds. So ugly unicorn funds. Um, we originally started the investment fund secrets truly because we felt there was just not a lot of content online about funds. We wanted to help more people learn and understand funds. So, and I'll be completely transparent with everything. So we have a course that we sell for the best fund secrets that's uh, $2,000 called our mastermind. We also have a coaching program that we work one-on-one with people. That's $30,000. We have about 362 members in that one. Um, the $2,000 program has about uh, 1,800 members in that one. And then we have a, uh, our live events, which are uh, $500, $600 come to our, one of our events. We do once a year. And then we have like a $47 course. And actually we have a free course. So if, if people on this podcast want to get a free course, you guys can message me. We have a 100% free course. Um, that, that is a standalone business. That makes millions of dollars a year. does really well. We've helped a lot of people. It's really cool. It's like standalone. It does really well. It's not, it's not like secretly to like try to get investors. That was just, yep. it's a standalone business. It does really well. Um, it's been awesome. We actually just hit, I think we just hit uh, $10 million uh, like last week, which is cool in sales in two, two and a half years, which is really cool. Perfect. So that one's done well. It's for profit. I make money. We make money doing that. And, but the benefits to your, to your point is massive for me. And I didn't, I don't think I realized how big it was when I started it to now. I get access to so many really cool people because of that. Mm. Really cool uh funds, mm. deals, opportunities, uh people that want to invest with our stuff, like it it is unreal how much it's brought my way. Mm. Employees want to work for us because they see our stuff online, like it brings talent to us. It's it's really cool what an online presence, a podcast does for just you in general. And so I challenged all my people in our group. I'm like, you, get, you guys need to start a podcast today. It will bring you so much value. Um, throwing mm-hmm. events. I think throwing events, people always remember the, the pe- person who threw the event, the name of the person who threw the event. So throwing even small little meetups or groups, hey, we're going to get together and talk about real estate or multifamily and make it valuable and have fun stuff. Uh, we throw events, in, and I'm in Salt Lake City called Cars and Coin. We we do we get everyone. Everyone has a supercar. You're invited. We bring all these supercars together. People that are smart. It's invite only, and we try to have a really cool group that we talk about. You know, what's the future of eight next 18 months look like for finance? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we talk about. It's kind of cool. We bring in really cool people, and and it's it's pretty much free for me to throw, and <laughs> it's really fun. So it is it has been massive. Now on our fund, we just we just raised a new fund. I'll tell you the exact stats. I think, um. I think about only 20% of investors though, came from online social media. Mm. The other 80% of investors came from just my personal network, people that I've met and known over time. However, is. so I'm going to say that. So at least yeah. currently social media wasn't like this huge, like we raised hundred million dollars just from social media. Like that didn't happen for me. And we didn't push that hard on social media either. Um, however, all the investors that invested though, know I have a social media presence. Okay. And a lot of them liked that. They'd see our videos or see our stuff. They knew that I was a real person. That I had something to lose. You know, um, I think it attracted. People in my network wanted to get to know me more because I had an online presence. And we are, we're not that big on social media, but we have a decent online presence. And so yeah. it definitely helps. I don't think it hurts. I think it, it helps uh, a lot. 100%, 100%. Um,
0: my next question will be uh, on your fund. How you made your fund investor-friendly? Because you mentioned some of them, which is basically um, lower management fee. What other strategy do you do
1: to make your fund more investor-friendly? Yeah, so our whole fund's focus, so we're a crypto fund, crypto hedge fund. Mm -hmm. We looked at, and I think it's funny, um, people don't think about this. And real estate, now real estate is an anomaly because there's lots of deals. Yeah. But other funds, you got to think about an investment product, just like any other product you would put out there. This is the same thing with actually with okay. This is all it's all coming full circle right now. You ready? So <laughs> if we were gonna go start like a coffee shop, me and you, yes. like let's go start a coffee shop. Yeah. We wouldn't we wouldn't go put the coffee shop on the same corner as you know, eight other coffee shops, right? There's a Starbucks, a Dunkin' Donut, it's already there. It might be a bad spot. Maybe it'd be good. I don't know. We can do our analysis, but typically. You want to put it in an area where there's no coffee shops. Right. And this will be the only one. We have a little bit of a blue ocean opportunity. People come to us for coffee. Right. Um, people don't think about this online or sometimes even with funds. Hmm. Like, so let's talk online for a second, make a little more sense. I, I know so many friends that are like, I'm going to be a fitness influencer online. There are about 12,000 Fitness influencers online that post their little workouts and like how to like count your macros. It is the most saturated place on planet earth, is is freaking fitness. And like look on YouTube, it's so saturated, right? Yes. Like, don't don't just be a fitness influencer. I know a lot of people, it's like, Bridger, I'm not gonna start posting business stuff online. How many people are already posting business stuff? Like find a niche, right? Yeah. That's that we chose investment funds. It's a niche, right? Same thing with fitness. So I'll just, you can even, I'll just use that example. I had a friend, he said, I'm not going to do fitness anymore. I'm going to do, I'm going to do fitness for busy salespeople ages 22 to 25. Okay. All of a sudden he carved out a little bit of a, a little bit more of a niche. I'm going to do fitness just for entrepreneurs, right? And supplements for entrepreneurs. Cause they have a different lifestyle than other people, right? Yep. You can, you can even carve down a little bit. So same thing true with funds and fund models, right? So our fund back to your question with crypto, there's there's a handful of you know a lot of crypto funds out there. Most crypto funds are like, hey, we're gonna make a ten thousand percent next year and crypto to the moon, right? Our crypto product is very risk mitigated. We said, hey, we're gonna make this. We want to play crypto, the ups and the downs. Uh, you know, mitigating downside risk is just as important as upside risk. So we developed a, an investment product and our portfolio that does really well in downside. So right now the market's down like 50, 60% in some places, right? Broad market of crypto. Our portfolio has done really well during the downside, right? And then upsides, yeah, it doesn't do as well. It probably doesn't grab all the gains, but it's a more mitigated approach on the upside as well. And it allows our investors to be in crypto for a, you know, for a decade or two, right? This, you know, more of a long-term approach to crypto. That's a unique product to an investor. They haven't heard that kind of a pitch before, right? So we brought that in and back. And then we, you know, we, we kept fees pretty standard. So two and 20, um, fee for us, which is just standard. We actually added a, a, a kicker. If we get over a hundred percent APY in a year, we start splitting 50, 50 on the fund okay. uh, above that. So, um, that was, Hey, if, you know, it gives us an incentive to work harder and get higher returns. We then start splitting 50, 50, every dollar above hundred percent was supposed to be that. Not all funds do that. Some funds do that. We felt like we could do that.
0: So the hurdle is basically 100% until 100%, you're taking 20%, and then above, above 100%, you're taking 50%. This is the hurdle. Yeah. Yep. Okay.
1: And In a year, it resets every calendar year. So essentially, if we double your money in a year, okay. every dollar over that doubling, we would take 50% of it.
0: And the commitment, how long is the commitment between you and the investors?
1: So we, on the made fund? An, um, we made an open-ended fund. So it's uh, minimum one year. Okay. after a year, you can pull your money out whenever you'd like just on the quarter mark. Just give us a 90 day notice and we'll pull your money out and then on the quarter mark. Okay yeah. okay so yeah. you started with uh, 3c1 or 3c7 when you started. This is a 3c1 fund see yeah and we're a 506c so I can I can actually publicly advertise and talk about this on this podcast. Oh. Otherwise yeah, if I was not. a 506b I wouldn't talk about this kind of stuff on the podcast Now <laughs> we are so we can publicly we can publicly talk about our fund everything because of that filing um, that we've done and, and everything. So 506C, 3C1 fund.
0: Yeah. But which means that you're only looking for accredited investors yep. or, or bigger. Yeah. hundred yep. percent. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, my, my last thing is your last event on Vegas as uh, launch fund live. Uh, what was, uh, the purpose of the actual summit and uh, the conference and how successful
1: was, uh, what was the goal of the actual conference? Yeah, so Fun Launch Live was been a dream of mine for like three years. Okay, Okay. so I I like events. I'm an event junkie. I don't know why. I I I have this like I don't know. I have this dream of like speaking. I love speaking at like on stages and stuff. And I had this dream of speaking to high school kids or like I don't know. I whatever it was. I just liked speaking. So and I thought let's do a big event. Now, beyond my own ego of just doing a big event, we also wanted to have a place where people that wanted to start funds could come together and have like a community and be mm-hmm. in person. A lot of the stuff we do is virtual. We wanted to have like an event and a, like a full out conference just for fund managers. Cause it didn't exist again, mm-hmm. back to a blue ocean niche opportunity, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's a hundred marketing conferences. There's a hundred just business conferences. We wanted a, a full out one just for investment fund managers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we set this goal. Uh, we tried to do one last year. We're like, ah, COVID, it's going to be hard. We finally said, I said, screw it. I'm drawing a line this the sand. I told my whole executive team, like we're doing fun launch live and we're going to get a thousand people there. And everyone was like, dude, that's not going to happen. All the conferences that we were watching and seeing and going to, especially coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. they would say, hey, we're, it's a thousand person event. They'd get 300 people there, 250 people there, maybe 500 people would show up. I mean, it was hard to fill a room. Um, so, but we said, hey, we're going to do a thousand people. So, We set this goal. This is back uh, last October. We're like, and you know, we're still a little bit late on. Usually you plan this thing in a year in advance. We were like seven months in advance. So we booked the hotel and but we booked the conference room. We started to get AV. We started to get big name speakers in. um, And we've tried to pull it all together. And uh, it actually, I I couldn't believe how good it turned out. It was amazing. We ended up having about 1200 people live at the event. Whoa. So we oversold the event. By 20%, which was crazy. Okay. We, so we oversold it. Um, we had incredible speakers begging to come speak for us, which was really cool. We had all these speakers come in our community. It brought them together. We actually gave away an award at the event as well. And actually I got one right here. Um, this is the wall street rebel award. So we started this before we want to do this on stage. So this, if you can see it on the screen, this it's a, it's a custom made Nike shoe. The other one's got carbon fiber onto it. We put like our, we put Mm -hmm. their logo, their name on it, all that kind of stuff for any fund that raises over $10 million. You get a pair of shoes. Okay. I have a story. Every time I hit a big goal in life, like I I buy a pair of shoes and I write like the goal, like what I accomplished on the shoes. Okay. I just, just kind of for fun. I wanted to like, you know, have an award, you know, in business, you don't get awards, right? Like no one does anything in business. So I wanted to have an award for myself and started buying shoes. So we want to do that for our community. So we got these shoes. We had 17 people win these at the event. They came on stage, got a picture. And I told everyone there, I was like, Hey, we're going to throw this next year. Set Mm. a goal in your brain. I'm going to be up there next year with a $10 million fund collecting a pair of shoes. Mm. Um, If that's all we did at the event, it would have been worth it. That alone was, I've gotten hundreds of messages from people, Bridger, I'm going to be on stage next year. Like I'm winning those shoes. I'm coming. And what it Mm. did is it made this like whole tribe, our community, we have a Mm. really tight knit, cool community. It like brought them all really together and set a goal and like got them in person. It was just, it was really cool. I could go on and on, but, um, it was a, a, a massive success, uh, for our, for our thing. Now, that being said, I had, I had really high quality mentors tell me to not throw an event really? like Bridger, do not throw an event. I, Alex, you know, Alex Hormozy, yeah. uh, we were on the phone six months. He's like, Bridger, do not throw an event. He goes, it'll waste your money, your time, your effort. It'll take time away from your team, which totally happened. Right. Our team had to like shift our company a little bit. Um, I had another guy, he threw an event. He's like, that was the hardest thing I ever did. And he's like, and it cost, it cost a ton of money. It's uh, you know, they're, are a lot of money to throw. I actually made a YouTube video breaking down all the expenses of this conference. Um, <laughs> so so there's 500, I think. We ended up spending about 670,000. But we, what is, the end, what is yeah, the end the result? What is the end result? The video says 500,000. We actually went above that. Yeah. No, no, you lost money at the end. So uh, we about broke even. Yeah. Okay. On the, on the start of the event with ticket sales and the event. Now with that though, Mm. a lot of people saw our business and our program, they wanted to join our programs because of the event. Right. Mm. So we did, we made a lot of money out, like, you know, from the event and outside the event from people saying, you know what, like, that's a cool, I love the group They came to the event and said, Hey, I want to join your guys's coaching group or your mastermind group or whatever. So Mm. we made a ton of money from that. Mm. Um, but directly from the event it was a break even and by the way i've learned now most events you go to break even on the event itself mm-hmm. they will sometimes sell so we didn't we had nobody sold at our event we only had i we we pitched once we just we we opened up our coaching group at the event that was the, the only thing i did mm-hmm. not want it to be a pitch fest um, I didn't want to have like you know tons of people haggling you for money from the booths and stuff. Like it's just annoying when you go to events like that. So we didn't do that at this, at this event. Um, we wanted to have really good quality content at the event, and to you know you could come for three days and feel like wow I'm ready to start a fund. That was our goal. So okay. I can go and- on and on about it, but it was it was a it was awesome. <laughs> we're gonna do it. So we're doing one next year. Yeah. Fun launch live 2023. Uh, yeah. We are finalizing locations right now. Uh, we'll uh, anyways. We'll either be in Nashville or probably Miami, those kind of, or Austin, Texas. We're looking at those. We were in Vegas oh. for this one. So we're going to do, we think about 2,500 people. So we're going to double the size of it for next year. It's going to wow. be really fun. Yeah.
0: So you're going to the East side now?
1: Uh, we think so. Again, we're, we're looking at, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say exactly where we're at on here, but that's that's the venues we're looking at right now.
0: Good luck. Again, thanks a lot. Uh, but before we conclude, how the people can uh, reach or follow your success? You're famous yeah. online, but have to come from you.
1: Yeah, so I, I mentioned this earlier. If you guys want, there's a couple. I have a couple free things you guys can grab. We have a free course on funds, um, 100% free. Literally, it's I, there's like no catch. I, I I want to just give a ton of value up front in funds. Teach you about funds, how funds work. Give you downloadable stuff, Excel documents, all that kind of stuff. In hopes one day if you ever want to start a fund, you can give us a call and you can we can work with you one on one and like put your fund together, build it with you. Mm-hmm. I, I hope I believe in giving a lot of value up front so that to get that free course. Um, You can go to a couple spots, but investmentfundsecrets.com slash free gift, Hmm. investmentfundsecrets.com slash free gift, or find me on Instagram, Bridger underscore Pennington. Look out for the 20 fake accounts that are out there, but send me a DM. I can just message you the free course over or Hmm. bridgerpennington.com. You can get the free course there. It's all, they're all there. We have a free Facebook group as well. You guys can join. We have it. We go live in there. We have a free app called the fun network app. We have fund managers get in. You can download on the app store. It's actually really cool. I go live in there all the time. We answer questions about funds. So those are a few free ways to just get involved with us. If you want to, um, if you want to like join our coaching groups or come to the events, bridgerpennington.com or investmentfundsecrets.com. They have all the links there and you can hop on a call with one of our team guys and, and see what works for you. So a yeah, lot of, gr-
0: yeah, a lot of great uh, information today. And uh, really, we're really happy that you came to the show and hopefully you can come again and uh, yeah. Talk about more about funds. Adam, thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot.